Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. There's a very fascinating account in the Gospel of Matthew where the disciples of John the Baptist approach Jesus, comparing their own religious practices with those of his followers. The Lord's response to them was marvelous beyond human wisdom. What was this marvelous yet divine response? Ron Kangas has joined us for a very sweet and very intimate portion from the life study of Matthew. Welcome back to the program, Ron. Uh, Good to be back. Ron, I'm really looking forward to this program today. We want to pick up this seemingly somewhat harmless confrontation initiated by the disciples of John the Baptist as they were confronting the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, verse 14, which says, Then the disciples of John the Baptist came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast much, but your disciples do not fast? Ron, it would be easy to consider that this was a good question, because in one sense it must have seemed to these disciples of John the Baptist that they were more religious than those of Jesus' disciples. Uh, They certainly were more religious, and they were focused, obviously— on uh, what to them was an important practice of fasting quite frequently. And it seems from their question that their assumption was that anyone who's serious with God is going to engage in the practice of fasting uh, again and again. And they seem quite startled, if not actually amazed, that the Lord's disciples, at least at that time, were not fasting. And the Lord's answer is most precious and also revealing. He says, How can those with the bridegroom fast when the bridegroom is with them? If you're in the presence of such a happy, joyful, delightful, pleasant person, who himself is about to enter into a wonderful relationship. Why why would you want to impose upon yourself some restriction, some demand to fast? But when the bridegroom is taken away, then they would fast, the Lord said, not in the way that what I call the religionists were doing, but the crucial matter is not whether we're doing this or that thing, It's the Lord himself, his presence, his preciousness, his loveliness, his pleasantness. And here we can bring in a kind of workable definition of religion. 
It is to do certain things or to deny ourselves certain benefits for God, seemingly, but we do it apart from God and apart from Christ. This is where John's disciples were, where the Pharisees were. There was a separation, a gap between their practices, in this case fasting, with the Lord himself. And so the Lord's response opens up a line of revelation, as we will see, in which he talks about not trying to patch yourself up, but there's the need for a new garment, and we will see how that relates to Christ. And then the matter of the fresh wine, wine that's new in nature, versus old wine, and then new wineskins, fresh wineskins. This is actually quite an inclusive revelation concerning Christ as the bridegroom. We will see Christ as our righteousness being the garment, Christ as the cheering wine, the life that stimulates us and revives us, and what we follow Paul in calling the corporate Christ, the church, is the container for this fresh wine. So instead of having rigorous religious practices, why don't we rejoice in having the bridegroom to be clothed with Christ as a new garment, to enjoy Christ as a new wine, and to partake of this new wine in the context of the church life, as we will see, signified by the new fresh wine skins. Thanks, Ron. Let's go on to Matthew chapter 9, verse 16, which says, No one puts a patch of unfold cloth on an old garment, for that which fills it up pulls away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Much profound insight is ahead on this portion as we join Witness Lee. Let's go to him now. The Lord He to tell the religious people, you shouldn't cut a piece from the unshrink cloth and patch it on the broken garment. Your broken garment has a hole. The Lord Jesus was really clever. By seeing this, he indicated all the disciples of John, they don't have a perfect garment. Their garment had holes. And the Lord Jesus made clear to them what they were doing by fasting. They were patching their holes. You patch your holes, but don't cut a piece from my cloth because my cloth is full of shrinking power. If you cut a piece from my unshrink cloth and patch it on your broken garment, and this piece full of what? Shrinking power, it will make your tear, your hole bigger, worse. No human being can give such a word. Full of meaning. Full of rebuking, full of revealing, full of instructing, full of saving. 
What are you talking about? Fasting? Do you know your fasting is just a campaign? You are burdened to fast because you realize you have some holes. So now your teacher John introduced all of you to me. Now you are utilizing me to patch your holes, and this means what? This means you are cutting a piece from my. Unshrink cloth to mend your hole, but you have to realize my cloth is full of shrinking power. The Lord Jesus, He lacking Himself as a piece of unshrinking cloth. After He was incarnated, He was born to the time He was crucified. By that time, he was a piece of unshrinking cloth, new cloth, never fooled, never delved, never shrink, just so strong, so new. Then, through his death and resurrection, and this piece of new cloth was made a new garment. Before his death, he was a piece of cloth. After his resurrection, he became a new garment that we may put on as our righteousness for us to be justified before God. To put on that we may attend his wedding. He is not only the bridegroom, but also our Widing garment that qualifies us to come to His widing face. Ron, I don't know about you, but I feel like a schoolboy who's just been at the feet of a real master and really shown something tremendous. This really was full of meaning. What was the Lord saying, Ron, to these ones who came seemingly so proud of their religious and pious fasting before the Lord? Well, we've begun already to address this. The contrast here is really between Christ and religion, and this is a significant theme throughout much of the Gospel of Matthew. The most intense opposition, eventually leading to the Lord's crucifixion, came largely from those fully given to their religion. They think they're doing things for God. They think what they're doing is pleasing to God. They have a sense of self-righteousness, of superiority to others. We fast, we give alms, we do this, we do that. And in contrast to that, the Lord is unveiling himself as the most pleasant person. To repeat, he presents himself as the bridegroom. Right away, this is in contrast to the sullenness, the deadness of religion. Here is this wonderful person. Why not just bask in his presence, enjoy receiving the teaching and words full of life from his mouth, open to be enlightened concerning what this wonderful person is, is in himself and what he wants to be to us. This is a very vivid contrast between religion 
without Christ, and we may say Christ apart from religion. And the more we reflect upon this portion of Matthew, the more, if we are enlightened by the Lord, we will just again and again choose the Lord himself, what he is, what he has done, who he is, his delightful presence. There's none like him. Let's love him, enjoy him, and testify of how wonderful he is. Ron, it occurred to me as you were speaking, of course we use the word religion or religious in a different context than many Christians do. Of course we're referring to it as something apart from Christ, trying to please and satisfy God. And I think here in this analogy that the Lord presented, there's a very crystal clear definition of what we mean. Religion is that which tries to patch up any holes. And God's economy is that which provides us with a whole new garment fitting to the wedding feast. Well, we're going to go on as the Lord continues in this encounter with John's disciples. He says next in verse 17, Neither do they put new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wineskins burst, and the wine pours out, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. The Lord's wisdom continues here. Let's go back to Witness Lee. He goes on. Don't put the new wine into the old wine skin. Number one, he, as a physician, is our bridegroom. And number two, he is our new garment to qualify us to attend his wedding feast. Now, number three, he is also our inner life. The inner wine that makes us happy, excited, and also all the time stirs us up. And he is the inner life that we may be so living and so happy and so excited to be with him. This new wine needs a wine skin, a container. And the new wine is full of fermenting power. If you put the new wine into an old, worn-out skin, this new wine will have the fermenting power to burst the wine skin. What does this mean? This means any kind of religious practice is an old wine skin. Any kind of religion is an old wine skin. He indicated that you, the disciples of John, are doing a wrong thing, trying to put my new wine life into your old wine skin religious practice. And this will burst your practice. You need a new wine skin. The new wine skin is just the church. And we know what is the church. The church is just the enlargement of Christ. You shouldn't consider the church is a kind of religion. Religion is something for God without Christ. The church is just Christ at large. The new one sin is just Christ at large into an expression. 
The church is not something so religious without Christ, without spirit. No, the church is an entity which is the enlargement of Christ. The church is constituted with Christ. Regards old or young, middle-aged, everyone must be filled with Christ. Amen. Then they come together. This is the new wine skin. Regardless how much fermenting power the divine life of Christ has, and this fermenting power can never burst the church. Well, Ron, this is a very marvelous analogy about the real and proper content of the churches, something very positive to God. But oftentimes for us to see like the followers of John to see, we need to see the negative to also see the positive. What is it about this new wine that had the capacity or has the capacity to burst or rupture any kind of religious container? Okay, the wine signifies Christ as our life with a very wonderful enjoyment. And with wine, I don't know much about it, but with new wine, there is what we would call fermenting power. It's fresh, it's new, and it needs to have a container that matches the nature of the fermenting power of the wine. And the Lord himself is this new wine. He is the vine, we know from John 15. And the grapes that are produced are also aspects of Christ. And the grapes are the source of the wine. And the new wine revives us. It warms us. It energizes us. But there's a very common practice, actually, for centuries. Sincere believers realize that the religious entities of which they are a part are really stale, if not moribund, even dead. So they want revival. So they think the way to have revival is to have the new wine in and of itself. Then they try again and again to put the new wine into the old wineskin of their religious entity, and the fermenting power of that new wine bursts it. They cannot contain it. We have experienced this. People have come into our midst. They sense Christ as the new wine is here. They partake. They enjoy. They say, we want to bring this back to where we are. And then they repeat the history the old wineskins cannot contain the new wine. There must be a new wineskin, and that is a container. And if we trace this thought throughout the New Testament, that container is the church. And the church, according to 1 Corinthians 12.12, 12, is the corporate Christ, that is, Christ in all the believers, being the factor of their oneness, so that they become a corporate person containing the new wine. Because the wineskin, the genuine church of God, is new, is fresh, it's flexible. As the wine energizes, the skin expands. It can contain it. And not only does the wineskin contain it, 
It's the means that allows anyone to partake of the wine. And this is our experience in the church life. We not only realize there's a new wineskin to match the new wine, but when we need to be invigorated, when we need to be revived, to be refreshed, we can testify by the thousands of us can testify. We come to the new wineskin, the practical church life. And the wineskin is a container of the wine. And we all drink the wine in this context. Here the Lord is presenting a vivid contrast between the religion of that time, the religion of formality, of legality, of outward things, of the law, and Christ himself as our righteousness, as our life, as our container, and the church as the corporate container and expression of Christ. This is God's New Testament economy versus the religion of the first century and the religion of the 21st century. There's quite a contrast. I freshly choose Christ. He is my righteousness. I'm clothed with him. He is my wine. I'm refreshed by him. And by his mercy, I'm with so many others in the new wineskin to contain him and to enable him to be ministered to thirsty believers seeking the divine reality, which is in Christ himself alone. Ron, this matter of the church as it relates to the wineskins is really the focus of our final section Let's go back to Witness Lee. Praise him. He is our physician. After healing us, he becomes our bridegroom. And he is also our garment to qualify us. And he is also our new wine to stir us up. And now, hallelujah. His enlargement is the new wine's key. So he is the bridegroom, he's the new garment, he's the new wine, and he's also the new wine skin. So he's everything to us. I assure you, you can get much more from this book. I'm not uh, a salesman, <laughs> but I surely like you all to get into that chapter on these four things. We all have to know our Lord in such a capacity that he is not only our king, our savior, our life, he is what? Our physician. And now this dear physician is a lovely bridegroom. And he's also our garment. And he's also the new wine. And he eventually also becomes the wineskin. We now are in the wineskin in the church life, enjoying him so much. Well, Ron, the wine in this metaphor that the Lord gave John's disciples, of course, was just he himself as our life. And the wineskin is the church as the unique container for this wine. Witness Lee frequently refers to the church, and he did in this segment as well, as the enlargement of Christ. Let's talk about this concept for the final few minutes that we've got left today. So clearly, 
when the Lord refers to the garment, the garment is Christ himself as our righteousness that now covers us so that we are acceptable to God the Father, like the returned prodigal in Luke 15. Then we see that Christ is our life. He is our cheering wine. We need him as our life supply. And God knows we need genuine, proper enjoyment. But the Lord refers to the wine skin. This is a container. Well, let's consider what can be the spiritual container for Christ as the wine. What matches him? It has to be the church. It has to be the church as the body of Christ, the church as the dwelling place of God, the church really as the corporate Christ. There needs to be this container. So we need all three. We need Christ as our righteousness. He is our garment. We need Christ as our life. He is our wine. Directly, directly from Christ to us. He's our garment. He's our wine. But now there's something we may say is indirect, that we are experiencing Christ in the context of the church, the container of Christ. And that container is the fresh wineskin. As one who has been in this life of the wineskin for quite a long time, I can testify this is not only true, this is real, delightful, pleasant, reviving, and supplying. What a delight to be in the presence of the bridegroom, clothed with him, filled with him, and one with him and all of his lovers and seekers in the church life, the container of the new wine. Ron, thank you once again for your fellowship as always, and please come back again very soon. I hope so. Well, we're out of time. Let me conclude today by recommending these life study messages. This one is, I have to say, a classic. One of the gems in the whole life study of Matthew, which is full of classic messages on one of the rich, rich books of the New Testament. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Of course, we invite you to write to us, Living Stream Ministry, P.O. Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814, or send email to us, radio at lsm.org. And please take advantage of all the previous programs we have available for your listening on the internet, and that's located at our website, which is lsm.org. For Ron Gingas today, I'm Matt Miller. Thanks for listening. This program is brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher of the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. To find out more, we invite you to visit our website, lsm.org. There you'll find more than 600 titles from both authors available online. You can also listen to recordings of Witness Lee's spoken messages and see the full array of material that Living Stream has to offer. 
Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.